Welcome back to Cooking Up Sports with Gage Bulls. I'm your host, Gage Bulls, obviously. Um, today, today we have an interesting show planned. I, I first want to talk about the Los Angeles Dodgers, and we're going to start in their offseason. I'm not going to get into that just yet. Uh, then I'm going to give you my 2019 MLB awards predictions. And then finally, we're gonna I'm going to close with a Mike Conley trade, and Braden Frazier is going to join me for the Mike Conley trade. Big Utah Jazz fan. I kind of want to hear his insight, and I also have some insight from other Jazz fans about what Mike Conley kind of adds to the table and what it does for the Jazz. But first off, let, let's start off with some shout-outs. Love to give a shout-out to my man, my brother, Adam Strong, keeping it real. I mean, big supporter of the podcast, listen to it. Gives me great feedback. Appreciate it, Adam. Um, next shout-out goes to Chris Rodriguez. Chris Rodriguez is a professional baseball pitcher in the Anaheim Angels organization. I appreciate what he does. He helped up, helped me out a lot, gave me some tips, and even shared it on his Instagram. And finally, big shout-out, and this first segment goes out to Lizzie Miller, big Dodgers fan. So hopefully you have you, – you don't get mad at me what I say about your Dodgers – um, but let's let's get right into it. The Dodgers. I want to start in the off season, about December, mid December. The Dodgers trade away Matt Kemp, Yasiel Puig, Alex Wood, Kyle Farmer, and seven million dollars to the Cincinnati Reds for right-hander Homer Bailey, who was instantly released by the Dodgers, and prospects Josiah Gray and Jeter Downs. Wow. Um. When I first saw this report, I, I sat there and I thought, what, 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 what are they doing? But then I had, to, I had to look at it in a big big picture type thing. Um, the Dodgers were really pushing for Bryce Harper at that time. And he was, he was somebody I thought was going to join L.A. there for a oh, good month or so. I thought Bryce Harper was going to end up in L.A. It's a big market. Harper thrives. I think Harper would thrive in a big market like Los Angeles. Uh, Philly's not bad for him, um, but he's he's definitely not doing too hot, too hot. I mean, Bryce Harper signed that thirteen-year, three hundred thirty million dollar contract with the Philadelphia Phillies. The guy was twenty-six years old at the time. The man is here till his career is over. He has a no-trade clause, so they can't get rid of him. He's he's stuck in a Phillies uniform for 13 years. But let's let's get back to the trade. I thought the move at first was very risky and disappointing, but it did clear that already crowded outfield and that starting rotation. The Dodgers definitely last season had a lot of options for starting pitchers, and they got stuck. And I saw it in the postseason. We saw it in the postseason. The Dodgers got stuck starting pitching wise because they have a good they have a good young core of starting pitchers, but they can't start them all. Usually, you'll want to start a guy every five days. Dodgers weren't doing that. They were starting a guy every maybe six to seven days. Not what needed to happen. So during the postseason, we saw guys like Kenta Maeda, Alex Wood, Ross Stripling. These guys were hitting the bullpen. They were no longer a part of that rotation. Guys like Julio Urias now this season are in the bullpen. So the Dodgers definitely have a they had a crowded rotation, and Alex Wood was a part of it. Next was the crowded outfield. Holy crap. 
The Dodgers last season, they had so many options for the outfield every single game. And I I don't know how. I mean, most of that roster, they had more outfielders than they did infielders. But some of their outfielders were those utility guys like Chris, Chris Taylor and Kike Hernandez. But still... Huge outfield, huge outfield. Um, but let's talk about the deal. The deal also saved the Dodgers roughly $7 million in actual salary and $16 million in luxury tax calculations. Although the signing of Bryce Harper would have sent the Dodgers over the $206 million tax threshold regardless. Without Bryce Harper, the Dodgers payroll this season was about roughly $186 million. A hundred eighty-six million big bucks. Holy crap. The only reason they have that amount of money is because of the market they're in. You you look at these markets, you look at a New York market, you don't don't look at the Mets. They're garbage. We can't talk about the Mets. You look at the Yankees, you look at the Dodgers, you look at these big markets, and we wonder why they can sign these big guys for big money. And it's all because of that revenue. I mean, you look at look at look at Dodgers games. Look at Yankees games. Those guys are selling out games. You in basketball, for instance. Look at Golden State, or look at a Los Angeles Lakers, or even the Clippers, for instance. These guys are big markets. Knicks, they're selling out games. So this is why they have all this money. We wonder why the Knicks have seventy million dollars this season. That's why big market. They move. They made the move. Because, and this is how I personally feel, they made the move to show Bryce Harper, hey, we care about you. We want you in that right field position. We just got rid of Yasiel Puig, one of our biggest arms in the outfield. That guy who could throw it from the right field corner all the way to third base like it's nothing. We want you. Come to LA. We'll do big things. We'll, we'll win the World Series this year with you. We have that young core. We have that starting pitching. We have the money to pay you. Come here. I, I don't know what Bryce Harper's thought process was. I mean, I know Philadelphia showed a lot and lot of interest in Bryce Harper, and they could fork over that $330 million. I don't know about L.A. I, I didn't read ever a report on how much L.A. offered him. I, I never did. The only other team I found out that offered him anything was the Chicago White Sox for $150 million. And that, that wasn't what Bryce Harper was looking for. Bryce Harper was looking to make... $400 million plus, but still $330 million for 13 years is huge. Machado signed that 10-year $300 million deal. So that's a lot. It's still bigger than Manny Machado's. A lot more years though, three more years. No trade clause. The man's here for a long time in a Phillies uniform. And he's been very disappointing this year for me. Um, and let's get into Kemp and Puig though. Despite losing 44 homers and 148 RBIs from Puig and Kemp, the Dodgers still had outfielders in Cody Bellinger, Jock Peterson, Enrique Hernandez, also known as Kike Hernandez, Chris Taylor, Andrew Tolles, and Alex Verdugo. So for me, trading away Puig and Kemp, it really cleared a path that was financially stable, and it was a game changer in wanting to add a man like Bryce Harper in clearing the outfield. I love I loved Puig. I couldn't stand his attitude. I really couldn't. I mean, and he was kind of a quirky guy. I mean, in the World Series and in the postseason, even in the regular season. He's licking his bat. He's just he's got the crazy hair. That's just him, though. I mean, that's his style. 
that was his style of play. Bryce Harper definitely has an attitude, though, as well. So I don't think, you know, there would be an attitude replacement there. But one thing I liked about, one thing I love about the Dodgers is main man Dave Roberts. Dave Roberts for sure knows how to manage that team. I'm not saying Don Mattingly did a bad job. But in the Yasiel Puig sense, this is what I saw difference-wise. With Don Mattingly, Yasiel Puig was allowed to throw those big hissy fits, you know, cry at home play, yell at Madison Bumgarner, get all worked up. And, you know, Don Mattingly would come to his aid like his father and say, there, there, Puig, come on, let's, let's just, let's calm it down. I'll go talk to him right now. I can't handle that. I can't handle that. He's a grown man. That, that First off, he's a grown man. You don't act that way. You don't conduct yourself that way on the baseball field. What kind of example are you setting for those who look up to you? You're not setting an example at all. You're, I mean, uh, don't even get me started. But when Dave Roberts came in, I saw Puig's attitude go away. Not fully away, but it went away. Dave Roberts would not put up with his garbage. And that's what I loved about Dave. Dave runs a tight ship. He does. Dave knows what he wants, and Dave's going to get – he's he's the captain. He's not co-captain. He is the captain. Don Mattingly pretty much let the team be the captain, and Don was like the co-captain. He let them do whatever they want, which bothered me. It bothered me. So I really love Dave Roberts. He has done a phenomenal job this season. Now, let's talk about Alex Wood. Alex Wood last season went 9-7 and seven with a team-high 27 starts. He was a reliever in the postseason and, to me, didn't even stand a chance to make a stacked rotation this upcoming season in Clayton Kershaw, Walker Buehler, Hunjin Ryu, Rich Hill, and Kenta Maeda. He just didn't stand that chance. He didn't. 9-7 and seven is not a record the Dodgers really wanted, and especially at the level of baseball they were playing, that wasn't something they needed. So it wasn't really a bad move to get rid of Alex Wood. I mean, it kind of it kind of cleared up some congestion there, and I liked I liked the move um, to Cincinnati. And you know, Cincinnati there. I want I want to talk about Cincinnati just for just for a quick second. Cincinnati during this offseason, I thought they were going to have a great offseason, and I thought they were going to be in re- rebuild mode. They signed Sonny Gray to that deal. That was a good move for them. They, I mean, they've had some rough pitching in the past. The really only guys they've had is Anthony Descalfani and Brandon Finnegan to really kind of bolster that. Now that Sonny Gray comes in, he's a veteran. He knows what he's doing. You can count on him, and he's, he's going to do okay for what he does and what you pay him. They get Matt Kemp and Yasiel Puig. Great outfield. Great outfield. They already have a solid infield with <coughs> – excuse me. They have a solid infield – in there with uh, Eugenio Suarez, Joey Votto. So, I mean, I thought the Reds were going to be a really good team this year, but, I mean, that that was not the case in the end. But, um, yeah, let's go back to the Dodgers, though. The Dodgers, they, they didn't have a bad offseason in the end. I mean, they don't get Bryce Harper, but they did sign Joe Kelly to that three-year, $25 million deal. And I, I, I personally like Joe Kelly. He comes out of the bullpen. <clears throat> Man, my voice is cracking like crazy. He's coming out of the bullpen. Giving you good quality innings, giving you good quality pitches as well. He's got a great pitching arsenal, which I love. Um, now, here's how I feel about the Dodgers this season. Now that I've watched them coming into the game, 
I mean, the Dodgers this season so far, 55-26. and 26. They're playing 679 baseball. They're 13 games above Colorado. They're first in the NL West. And to me, they're the best team in the National League right now. Right now. The Dodgers have the best pitching rotation. Let me give you some stats for them. Clayton Kershaw this season, he's 7-1, and one, has a 3.07 ERA. His whip of, he has a whip of 1.07, and the man is 31 years old. He's played 11 years for the Dodgers, and he's still killing it. Next, you have Hunjin Ryu. He's 9-1, and one, has a 1.27 ERA, and a whip of 0.84. His ERA is the best in all of Major League Baseball right now. He's a killer. I have him winning... Um, I actually have him winning NL Cy Young. We'll talk about that later, though. Next, you have Kent Maeda, man, 7-4 and four with a 3.76 ERA and a 1.10 whip. The ERA could really use some work, and so could the record, but he's not a bad pitcher. Has a great pitching arsenal. Can really throw the ball. Not for speed, but he has some dirty pitches. Love his split finger fastball. It's pretty dirty. Nice dip to it. Next, you have Walker Bueller. He's 8 and 1, 2.96 ERA and a 0.88 whip. Man's killing out out there. I love it. Love the ERA. Love the record. Last start, he came out and struck out 16 guys. 16. Very impressive young kid. He's a rising star in the making. I love what I had. I'm seeing from him. Next, Ross Stripling. Ross Stripling's 3-2 and two with a 3.08 ERA and a 1.17 whip. Now, the whip could really use some work, but I think Ross Stripling overall is a pretty good pitcher. He's still a young guy. He's like Walker Bueller. He's still pretty young, still learning the game, getting adjusted to it. But he's going to be pretty good. I think Walker Bueller is going to be the best out of that Dodgers young core pitching staff. He's definitely going to be the best. He's He's... Learning from mentor Clayton Kershaw, and I love it. Now, I'm going to make a bold state. Oh, actually, let's talk about Corey Seager. Corey Seager comes back this season, but re- goes down with a hamstring injury when he plays against the Angels. Played against the Angels. Rounds third base, clutching that hamstring, that left hamstring. Not a good sign for the Dodgers. But Corey Seager, his last 20 games before getting injured, had an average of 382. He had 14 extra extra base hits, 19 RBIs, and his OPS was 1.118. He raised his average from batting 230 then to 278. Definitely a big jump. Big jump for my man, Corey Seager. For me, he's the most irreplaceable Dodger. That shortstop position, he plays it so well. He knows what he's doing. He has the footwork. He has the arm. And he has the defense. I love Corey Seager's defense. The man will die for a ball. He's not afraid to do anything. He will do anything to get an out. And that's what I really love about Corey. Now that they also have a young guy in Alex Verdugo. I love Alex Verdugo. Man's only 23 years old. He's hitting 303 this year with seven home runs and 32 RBIs, four stolen bases, and has an OPS of 839. Not bad. Not bad at all. I've been impressed with him. Um, he's an up and rising star in the making as well. So I love that. Now I'm going to make a bold statement. The Dodgers are headed to the world series again this year. And I think the Dodgers can win the world series this year. Why? I look at their pitching staff. Their pitching staff is consistent. Their pitching staff can get it done against American league pitching, American league, sorry, not pitching American league hitting and national league hitting. And they've proved that to me this season. Dodgers are on one 55 and 26 best record in baseball right now. They are killing it. 
And Dave Roberts kind of had a squad that he was not used to coming into this season, and he's proved to me he is probably one of the best managers in the game right now. He can coach pretty much any squad, and I love that about Dave. But I think they're going back to the World Series. They're headed back for their third year in the row, but they're going to win this one. I mean, they had devastating, devastating loss to the Boston Red Sox last year, and then the year before to the Houston Astros. Rough team. The Dodgers played good squads, though, in the, in the Red Sox and the Astros. Astros were a good team. I mean, back behind Dallas Keuchel, Charlie Moore, and Justin Verlando, Carlos Correa, Altuve, Springer, great squad. Heck, even Marwin Gonzalez was huge in that World Series. So, big, big, big squads. I mean, last year's Red Sox team was insane for the, Do- for the Dodgers to play. The Dodgers only ended up winning that one game, and it went, I think it was like 19 innings. Excuse, I mean, excuse me if I'm wrong. I think it was about 19 innings. And then finally, Max Muncy walked it off for the Dodgers. Finally. But I think they're headed back to the World Series this year. Um, I don't know who they'll play. I mean, my best guess is probably the Yankees. They'll probably, I don't know. That's what I'm just guessing. But I think the Dodgers can win the World Series this year. They're an impressive young team, and I love what I see from them. Next, I want to talk about my 2019 MLB Awards predictions. Now, some of you are going to agree with me. Some of you are going to look at me with a confuzzled look and say, what are you talking about? Well, these are just my opinions. I'm looking at stats. I'm looking at the games I've watched this year. And that's what I'm going off of. So for my AL MVP, uh, first I'm just going to read them off and I'm going to go through each one and talk about why I picked them. AL MVP, I have Mike Trout. NL MVP, I have Cody Bellinger. AL Cy Young, I have Charlie Morton. NL Cy Young, I have Hunjin Ryu. AL Rookie of the Year, I have Vladimir Guerrero Jr. NL Rookie of the Year, I have Pete Alonzo. Here's the reason I picked Mike Trout for AL MVP. The man is the best baseball player in the world he's having a historic season so far his stats on the year the man he is hitting 307 has 22 home runs 56 rbis eight stolen bases and he has an ops of 1.099 he is killing it he is killing it he recently had a game in toronto where he had seven rbis crushing the ball trout does what he does now he's on a angel squad that kind of struggles they're almost playing 500 baseball Don't get me into that because I am an Angels fan, and I've talked very passionately about them. But he's coming into an Angels squad that kind of looks weird. I mean, Tommy LaStella is killing it this year, but Mike Trout obviously deserves to be the the MVP. I mean, there's a reason. Maybe, I mean, Trout doesn't win MVP every season, but there is a reason Mike Trout is in the talking for MVP every stinking season. It's because of what he does. He does what he does, and he gets it done. And I I love watching Trout. Trout has a great outfield arm. Maybe not the best arm, actually. I take that back. I'm sorry. Trout has great defense. I mean, we've seen him jump over walls. Over walls, ladies and gentlemen. The man is risking his body for one baseball to get now. That's what I love about Mike Trout. Mike Trout gets it done with the bat. He gets on base like a beast. He knows how to get on base. He knows how to become an all-star every season. I love Mike Trout. I love watching him. Now, some of you out there may not be Angels fans, but you have to respect Mike Trout. How do you how do you not respect Mike Trout and say that guy knows how to play the game correctly and he's fun to watch. He is fun to watch. I love watching him. 
I visit Angel Stadium at least once a year. I love watching Trout. That's the guy I go see. And now I also go see Shohei Otani. But I love seeing Trout. Trout conducts himself in a way that I don't even know how to describe it. I really don't. NL MVP, Cody Bellinger. Let me give you stats for Cody Bellinger. He is hitting 353. He has 25 home runs, 62 RBIs, 8 stolen bases, and has an OPS of 1.152. Holy crap. His OPS is the thing that stands out to me. A 1.152 with a batting average of 353. My goodness. My goodness. How do you not vote this guy for NL MVP? He's hitting over 350. There for a while, he was hitting 400, a little over 400. During the regular season, like multiple games in, not just started the season, like towards the end, now that we're kind of near the end of the first half, kind of, you know, a couple weeks ago, about a month ago, the man was hitting about 400. My goodness. There, 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 there's a reason I'm voting for him. Um, Bellinger, though, man, that rookie season, he burst onto the scene. He was killing it. He could crush the ball. He could get on base. He was just a hero. And then last season happened, and it just it didn't look good for him. He couldn't hit. He was very. He played very mediocre. He just wasn't getting the job done for Dave Roberts and the Dodgers, and I felt very disappointed because I really like Cody Bellinger. What he does is fantastic. He's a young guy. He's an up-and-rising star, and I love what he does. I love it. I mean, that's why I'm voting Cody Bellinger. And he's having a great season. I mean, now he's limited to the outfield. He was told earlier this season he can't play first base anymore. So now he's limited to the outfield. And I love what he does out there. I mean, he has a great arm. He has a cannon of an arm, actually. He's definitely nothing like Yasiel Puig, but he does fill that void. And I love it. And he fills that void with a bat as well. So congrats to him. I, I Definite all-star for me. Definite NL MVP. My AL Cy Young. Some of you may have been like, wait, why did you pick Charlie Morton? Let me give you stats on Charlie Martin. Charlie Morton this season is 8-1, 2.31 ERA, 1.02 whip, has, has pitched 93 and two-thirds innings, and has 113 strikeouts. He has the second-best ERA in baseball. He's pitching for the Tampa Bay Rays. Tampa Bay Rays are actually a really great squad this year. I, I don't even know how. Like Years past, we've looked at the Rays and we've said, oh my gosh, somebody give me a tissue to cry and I do I cannot watch these guys. But now we're, we're saying, dude, pass the root beer over here. Let's watch these guys do what they do. They're very impressive. They have a young squad. Apparently, they're pretty developed now too. They have a great pitching staff and Tyler Glass now. Blake Snell's kind of having an off year, but I mean, oh well. Charlie Morton in there. The Rays are also still doing their starting the bullpen guy first. And then, you know, it's very different. Very, very different. So, um, that that's why I've picked him. He has great numbers. He does what he does. He he was very good on the Houston Astros. I liked seeing him on that World Series team, that postseason team. And now that he's here on the Tampa Bay Rays, I also enjoy watching him do that as well. Next for me, the NL Cy Young. I have Hunjin Ryu. And I talked about his stats earlier. The guy's 9-1, 1.27 ERA, has 90 strikeouts this year with a 0.84 whip. 
impressive numbers. Hunjin Ryu is probably one of the most underrated pitchers, and I'll say that now because seasons past, he's been a very consistent guy. He's had about one season where he hasn't been really on. For the other seasons, he's been pretty on. Maybe he doesn't have the most impressive numbers out of the group, but he's been a great pitcher, and I think Dave Roberts really likes him. The Dodgers organization likes him, and that's why they keep him. He's a great guy. He's a good staple to have in the clubhouse. I enjoy watching him pitch, and I think Dodgers fans do as well. They they respect this guy because he does what he does on a, on a fifth-day basis, and he comes out and he does what he gets paid to do. And he doesn't complain, doesn't have an attitude. He's a fun guy to have in the clubhouse. I mean, we saw him, you know, kind of joking around with his teammates. And I love that. He's just a fun, loving guy. And he deserves it this year. His numbers show for it. Next, my AL Rookie of the Year, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. There's not a whole lot of good rookies out there in the AL this year. And I hate to say that. Vlad Jr. this year is only hitting two fifty five, seven home runs, 22 RBIs, and a seven thirty seven OPS. Not great numbers, really. Not great numbers. 255 is okay, especially for what he's doing. But a 737 OPS is not that great. Not really that great for me. But, I mean, his his probably toughest competitor is going to be Eloy Jimenez. But, really, I, I, I still think Vladimir Guerrero Jr. kind of has it. A lot of fans like him. A lot of MLB fans like him. So, I think it will go to him. My National League Rookie of the Year. Belongs to Pete Alonso. The man is playing on a garbage team in the Mets. Garbage. The Mets just recently had that incident with Mickey Galloway and Jason Vargas cussing up a storm with the reporter there. That oh, that just does not look good at all. Not good at all. And I feel bad for the Mets. I mean, they, they're not as big as a market as the Yankees at all. The Mets aren't really selling game, out games. But, I, I mean, I have really loved... Um, I love seeing the Mets. They're good. They're they're a pretty good ball club. They have pretty young young guys that are pretty good. I love seeing Syndergaard and DeGrom go out there. You know, Steven Matz is okay once in a while. Um, but I've really loved watching Pete Alonso this year. He is crushing the ball, man. He's hitting 274, 27 home runs, 61 RBIs with a 1.005 OPS. Great numbers. Great numbers for the man, Pete Alonso, for the brother. Love Pete Alonzo. Um, he's playing over there at that first base position. The, the Mets have kind of had some really bad luck at first base. They've had they've had to train guys to play first base. Like for instance, they had to train Jay Bruce last year to tra- to play first base. Then they have they had Todd Frazier to play it for a while. Not something I want to see from the Mets. Now that they have a, a really good staple in Pete Alonzo. He's he's really good. Um, we just got breaking news from ESPN that Kevin Durant will decline his $31.5 million player option and become a free agent. We'll get into that another time, though. I have so much to say about that. That's so crazy. My goodness, he declines it. Man, is headed to New York, whether that be Brooklyn or the Knicks. I say that now. <laughs> we'll move on. But... I love Pete Alonso. I love seeing what he does. I think he deserves that National League Rookie of the Year. I think he actually really deserves to be an all-star as well. He's playing on a rough team in the Mets. I said that before. Mets are kind of rough, rougher team. They're not the best, but they're not the worst. Um, but they, 
they have had some struggles, and I can't stand it anymore. So that those are my predictions, and that's me about the Dodgers. Now, Braden joins me. Braden's been on the show before. Love having Braden here. Big jazz fan. Mike Conley coming to Utah. What do, what, do, what do you think about that, or what was your kind of first reaction to hear Mike Conley's coming to Utah? Well, my first reaction wasn't great because I knew that he already had that max contract with Memphis. And so, and I saw that we traded away Crowder. I personally really liked Crowder. I thought he added a lot to our team coming off that bench. He added a little bit more depth. Um, He was a very good player. But um, when I first saw the trade, I wasn't too happy about it because I did not... Mike Conley's an okay player, but I did not think that he was worth all that we um, gave up for him. But then again, once I started thinking about it and I talked to my dad about it, and we've been talking about this all week, um, you know, the Jazz needed a point guard that can shoot. They've needed one for years, and they've had Ricky Rubio for the past couple years, and he's not the guy that was getting that done. And so that's leaving all this offensive pressure on Mitchell, and Mitchell needs to get most of the scores, and that's why he's only shooting around 42% last year. He had to be the guy to try and get to be the offensive force on that team. Um but uh, in my opinion, Crowder was the only real downside to that trade. I don't really mind the pick. I don't think we were going to get anybody anyways. Um, Grayson Allen only played a little over 400 minutes last year, so he didn't really have that much of an impact. Yeah. Um, and then Kyle Korver. Kyle Korver is just getting old. I think he's 38 now. Yeah. He's I mean, he was good back in the day, but now he's just getting really old. I think he's going to retire after his contract's up. I think that didn't matter too much. So Crowder was the only guy that I really wish we could have kept. And the thing that I don't really understand with the trade is why we didn't do it or use Exum instead. Because earlier in the year, the Grizzlies, and they were trying to make this trade, they asked for Exum. But they were also just basically asking for the world. So we turned them down. And But I think the reason why we couldn't get rid of Exum is because the Grizzlies knew that they were just about to get Ja Morant, who is going to be a very good rookie this year. I think him and Zion are going to be the front runners for Rookie of the Year. Um, so we couldn't really... The, Crowder was our really really our only option here so it's sad that we had to let him go yeah. he added to our team but i think i think conley could be the guy that we need so the worst part is how much we have to pay him he takes up 34 million dollars of our cap space next year which leaves us with just over four million left yeah so we're gonna have to move some things around if we want to get somebody else um but I think it's good because it'll take some offensive pressure off of Mitchell. You know, um, Conley averaging just over 21 points a game and just over six assists. So he's a pretty good offensive player. And this is on a very bad Grizzlies team oh, yeah. um, who can't make the playoffs to save their lives. I mean, Conley yeah. was the best player on that team. And 
So, you know, but I think now it, the defense won't just key in on Mitchell. I think the defense will have to make sure that they guard Conley and Mitchell. And if you have Jingles on the floor too, you got to yeah. guard him because if Jingles is open, he's going to knock it down. Yeah. Speaking of, I mean, what you just said, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but oh, the Jazz, I mean, you talked about having Conley on the floor, Mitchell on the floor, Ingles on the floor. This puts the Jazz at a top contender in the West. Oh, yeah, for sure. The Warriors next season are going to be without Klay Thompson and Kevin Durant. Steph Curry can't carry his own team. Him and Draymond Green, I think, cannot make it to the first seed. If Chris Paul leaves Houston and Jimmy Butler doesn't sign with Houston and it's just James Harden, I know James Harden's had to carry his own team, but I don't don't think he can make a number one seed either. I can't. No, I I think that's blasphemous saying that these guys could make it the first place. I think the Jazz could be top three seed. Top three seed? Oh, for sure. They're going to have to, like you said, they're going to have to worry about Conley. Conley last season averaged 21.1 points, 3.4 rebounds, 6.4 assists, and 1.3 steals. So Conley's not a bad defender. I mean, we are going to be missing Rubio. Rubio is a pretty solid defender. Also, he shot 36.4% from the three and 43.8% from the field. So the man almost shot 44% from the field, shooting about 37% from three. Not bad. A lot better than Ricky Rubio. What I like about Conley is already he seems excited to join the Jazz. He he kind of feels like, hey, I'm, I was that missing puzzle piece the Jazz needed. I think he's going to maximize Donovan Mitchell's game, though. He's going to make Donovan Mitchell a better player. Not saying that Ricky Rubio didn't, but Ricky Rubio wasn't that guy that Utah needed. Mike Conley is probably the biggest point guard upgrade since Darren Williams. Would you say that? Yeah, I would say that. Easy. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited for Conley, though. What, what do you think Conley adds to Utah that Rubio didn't, though? So he's definitely... A better shooter, for sure. Um, Rubio was not the shooter that the Jazz needed, like I said. Um, he's not terrible at defense, for sure. He still adds some defense. I think, especially with Rudy still on our team, we're going to mm. be one of the best defensive teams. Um, That's right. I think I think he's actually going to add quite a bit to our team. Um, he's definitely... With a better team now, I think his stats could improve. They're gonna at least stay the same. Yeah. Uh, Mitchell's stats are probably going to improve. Oh yeah. I think this could help pretty much everybody on our team. Yeah, this is this is gonna make the Jazz better. I think I think even Quinn Snyder's happy to have him. He fits in Quinn Snyder's kind of offense though of moving. If I I mean I've watched a lot of Jazz games. The Jazz are constantly moving, setting screens, getting guys open. What I like about Mike Conley that you said, though, Mike Conley carries an offensive pull that Ricky Rubio could not. Rubio could not score worth beans. Worth beans. I, no disrespect to Ricky Rubio, but he could not shoot. And he, was, he almost looked afraid to when he could. He looked afraid. He looked awkward. Mike Conley is not afraid to shoot the ball. And that's what I love about Conley is he's not afraid to shoot, but 
I think, like you said earlier, we gave up way too much. This is what the Jazz gave up to get Mike Conley. They gave up shooting guard Grayson Allen, small forward Kyle Korver, small forward slash power forward Jay Crowder, the 2019 number 23 overall pick, and the 2021st round pick, and it's protected for Mike Conley. That's a little too much to me for what we get out of Mike Conley. Mike, okay, not what we get out of Mike. Mike Conley is 31 years old. He's an old dude. Played 12 years in Memphis. Now he's come to start a new chapter in Utah. He's a pretty, he's a pretty old guy for basketball-wise. He's a pretty old guy. The number 23 pick, yeah, I don't care about. We weren't going to get anything that great. But the 2020 first-round pick, eh, I think the 2020 NBA draft is going to be pretty nice. I, I think that the reason why they did that is because they're not, they're not in development mode. They're in win-now mode. They're yeah, trying to, yeah, yeah, the Jazz are definitely not rebuilding. win-now. They're not trying to get young guys from the draft that they have to develop over years and years. Exactly. Exactly. The Jazz are in what we would call rebuild mode. They're not. They have. They have the pieces now. The only thing they're missing now is a power forward. And I think you had Tobias Harris. If I'm being honest, but like you said, that cap space chunk. It's gonna be difficult to get that. They gotta try and figure it out. They probably gotta let favors go. Yeah. Probably gotta let somebody like Exum go because those two together are like twenty six million dollars. Easy. That's $26 million we could pay Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris is going to want top dollar, but he also wants to win. What that comedy made about, hey, I'd be interested in coming to Utah now, it, it kind of proves to me that he's not really concerned about the money. He's, a, he's, he's pretty concerned about winning. I think mm-hmm. Tobias Harris yeah. wants to win. He's a win. He has that winning mentality, unlike a lot of the guys who are just going after the money. Like a Kyrie Irving. I know, I know Kyrie. I No disrespect to Kyrie at all, but... He is con- he's concerned about money. Top dollar. For me, yeah, Kyrie's a top dollar guy, blah, 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 blah. But Kyrie would never go sign with a team like the Jazz or anywhere else because these guys want to go to big markets. My only thing, though, I mean, Mike Conley says he's excited to join the Jazz. But do you think he's really excited to join the Jazz? After last season, you know, we, we, we offer something to Memphis and Mike Conley calls Utah, not a very good market and stuff. Do you think Mike Conley's excited to be here, or he's just kind of grudgingly doing it because he has no choice? Well, you know, I think his mindset has actually kind of changed to it because you saw a couple days ago he was already out with Mitchell working out. Yep. He was already working yep. on the team chemistry. I think he's actually going to help our team chemistry quite a bit because last or just Monday night he won that team chemistry yeah. award yeah team so he's year. definitely not gonna hurt our amazing team chemistry on the jazz no i i think he's kind of changed his mindset i think he's excited i think he realized that they can make some noise here i think exactly i i think the jazz this season will make some noise they will make some headlines jazz will make headlines and i say that not only because i'm a jazz fan but an NBA fan, a basketball fan, they will make noise. Donovan Mitchell, he's going to come strong. He does. He has these past couple of seasons. He's going to come strong. Oh, yeah, he's sure. going to give it his all. Mike Conley's going to give it his all. Rudy Gobert, once again, he's going to put us on his defensive back. Joe Ingles, the only thing I wore, the only thing I missed though, was Jay Crowder. <laughs> let, let me let me wipe away my tear. <laughs> my gosh. 
He was so pivotal for the Jazz coming off the bench. I loved watching him come off the bench because he fulfilled the role. Mm -hmm. Guy could score eh, 14, 16 points, would sometimes get over that 20. And he provided he provided a nice offensive power. He could shoot the three. Crowder was definitely not afraid to shoot or get inside. Oh, yeah, sure. Crowder's ripped, man. He can do it. And now I'm sad he's headed to Memphis. The only reason that the only reason the Grizzlies did this, and I'll state this now, the only reason the Grizzlies make, make, got rid of Mike Conley was to make room for Ja Morant. The only reason. They knew Ja. If Mike Conley were still there, Ja Morant would not be starting. And they want Ja to start. The next Russell Westbrook, I think, tripled. You think Ja can average triple-double in his first season? About, kind of, maybe? I think he can get close, but I don't yeah. know if it'll be quite a triple-double. Yeah, I, I'm i with you on that. I don't think triple-double. I think very close, though. Ja Morant is very athletic. But once again, though, we, we never know what these guys coming into the NBA. We have seen some guys go really high picks like Markel Fultz, and it's, I wish we had, you know, that Mario thing. Failure. Orlando Magic got. I don't even know what they were doing thinking about trading for Markel. Well, I'm excited for Colin to be here. I'm excited for the Jazz to make headlines. I, I, I don't know about a finals appearance this year. I don't know about this year, but possibly, man. I think they can make a good playoff run. I don't know if it's going to end in the finals. It depends on what happens with other teams. Yeah, it, it really does. If Kawhi goes to the Clippers, I don't know if we could yeah. make it past Kawhi. I don't know. It's going to be tough. It also depends on if the Jazz can get another piece like Tobias Harris. Yeah. I think the Another J- shooter. I think the Jazz's biggest, I don't know what you want to call this, the team that they're going to struggle beating this year, it's not going to be Golden State. It's not going to be Houston. Not OKC. Not Sacramento. Not Sa- Sacramento. San Antonio. The Jazz are going to have a hard time beating the Lakers. I think a lot of teams are. LeBron and AD are look good. And the Lakers still have money to spend, though. That's what's crazy to me is they still have money. So I, I, I think that will be their biggest competitor. Come playoff season time, I think the Jazz can make it to the, the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, I, my biggest problem with the Lakers right now, though, is they don't have any depth. They don't even have a full team right oh, now. Oh, no. They they have no bench now. That's gone. No starting lineup. That's gone. Lakers pretty much gave up the world. They, get, they gave up half their team for one guy. And picks. My goodness. AD's a good player, but holy crap. The Pelicans will be a pretty good team. I mean, we'll see. Develop. They'll they'll have to develop. Yeah, they need to develop first because they're super young. This is Drew Holiday's team. This is Drew Holiday's team. We'll see. We'll see what Zion does. I think he'll do pretty good in the league. Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram. They'll do fine. Well, anything? Anything else you want to say? No. Close out today's episode. I just want to thank you guys once again for taking a listen. Make sure to catch us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and many other places where you can find a podcast episode. Also, check us out on Spotify. Once again, big shout out to Adam Strong, Chris Rodriguez, and Lizzie Miller. Thanks, guys, for taking a listen to today's episode. 
And uh, let, let's make this be the best episode by far. And uh, if you guys can do that, maybe there'll be there'll, there'll be a prize, I think. Uh, thanks, you guys, for listening today. This is Cooking Up Sports with Gage Bowles. <laughs>